0: So we're doing the forum about adult peer pressure uh, as well as influences. Same true or false questions that we talked about before. Peer pressure only affects teens. Obviously that's false. Only the weak and indecisive are influenced. We believe also that is false. All of us, to some degree or another, are subject to pressure and influences. Let's look at some of the definitions. We start off with the definition of a peer. Uh, We're looking at someone that is of equal standing or of the same type of group age, grade, or status. Pressure, the burden or physical of physical or mental distress. There's pressures from other areas, of course, but we're going to be focusing mostly on that, which is of our peer. Putting them together in a definition, we've got social pressure on somebody to adopt a type of behavior or dress or attitude in order to be accepted as part of a group. Social pressure by one's peer group. Take on certain actions or adopt certain values to conform. Conformity is this what this pressure is. Influence, a little bit different. Pressure is more direct. Influence is a little bit more indirect. The key words in the definition of, of uh, influence is imperceptible or in- intangible. You kind of feel this influence, but it's kind of hard to put a finger on it. Usually when we talk about peer pressure, we talk about being the recipient of peer pressure others are pressuring us but really it's a two-way street you know we are subject to pressures and influences but we are also the source or channels of pressure towards others and so for the most part our presentation may seem to be kind of one-sided of us being recipients of it but in our minds let's be thinking of really it's a two-way street it's not always a bad thing there are good pressures and influences and we'll take a look at uh, some of that as well And sometimes we might kind of get the picture that when we're talking about pressures and influences, it's sort of us against the world. That's not true. God puts people in our lives to help us along, uh, come along in the right direction. Okay, so the way we're going to set this up as far as understanding how pressures and and influences work, um, it starts from a source. Same idea as a a radio transmitter. Imagine that to be an antenna transmitting radio waves on different channels. That's a particular source. The It it comes out on different channels in the way that this pressure or influence is felt. And then it has a particular impact on a particular area in our life. So we're going to look at each of those in a little bit of detail. Start out with sources. These are fairly obvious. You know, family, friends, uh, church sources, um, and beyond, just our, our local church sources. Moving on into how we feel these pressures... These uh, What I've called as channels of transmission This is kind of like how we feel the pressure How we experience What means is used to communicate that pressure Um, And we're going to be looking at each of those In more detail uh, later on So this is just sort of a bit of an overview Of what's coming up And then obviously the various areas of impact In our life uh, And what the change does And where it affects us And touches us in our life, Sort of putting it all together, um, we, we see that we're really bombarded with a lot of pressures and a lot of influences coming from multiple sources all at the same time through different channels of transmission, and it affects us um, all around. And sometimes, you know, it can really leave us feeling confused and overwhelmed, wondering how do we sort all this out? What's right? What's wrong? What's good? What's bad? And uh, what do I do about it? The main theme of what we feel is the answer or the counterbalance to pressures and influences is that peer pressure and influences are only as strong as our identity in Christ is weak. If you, for, if you only remember one thing from the forum, this is it. We're going to be reinforcing this at various times throughout uh, the form and building on this idea of our identity in Christ. If we have a strong identity in Christ, influences around us will be relatively weak. They'll still be there, but their effect on us will be relatively weak in comparison to our identity or security in Christ. A lesson from the solar system. Works marvelously and wonderfully. We've got things millions of miles apart, great forces of gravity, great speeds, and it all stays together. How does it all stay together? If we look at it a little bit, we've got this powerful force of gravity from the Sun. We're going to look at our particular planet Earth. We have the moon orbiting around the Earth, and the resultant of those forces and the speed at which they're going is a predictable, repeatable, consistent orbit that God has ordained for the earth to take. That's this major path over here. And that's because of its strong connection, strong gravity to the sun. I'm going to sort of use that as a simple illustration of our identity with Christ, with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. A strong identity. ...gives us this path, this orbit. This is the path that God has called us to. This is where, how we're living. This is who we are. And, this is, and, and that's a, a strong, repeatable, confident path that, though other sources around us do exist... You know, this guy's got a bright idea. He's saying, come on over here. This guy's saying, look at this down here. The other guy's saying, you know, let's follow this over here and so forth. This guy is saying, look, come on this way. He happens to line up with the same path that that, uh, we're identifying with. But those forces are relatively weak, relatively minor as far as their effect on us in comparison to our identity with Christ. So what does that mean? What is our identity with Christ? And how do we feel become more secure in Christ. We're going to look at a couple of verses that um, build on that. Uh, So this one's from the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah says, Now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. I will be with thee. I'm reading certain excerpts. I'm not reading the whole thing that's in, in these verses. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. In those four short verses, there's a lot of phrases, powerful identity phrases. God telling Israel. I made you who you are, given you a name, you are mine, my possession, I will be with you, uh, and so forth. And it's interesting, what really stood out to me is the, this last verse 4 here. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable. Do you know what? when Isaiah is writing this to them? They're in captivity in Babylon. Why? Because they lived and behaved anything but honorable. God was fed up with them and their idolatry, and their sin, and he carried them away captive. But he's saying, in spite of that wayward behavior, tremendously wayward and sinful behavior, he has not cut them off as far as their identity is concerned, and that they are still, you are still mine, he says, and he bestows honor upon them, not because of their behavior, but because of the identity that God has given them, and their calling. Move on to the New Testament in Galatians three twenty six through 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. Those phrases there, Jew, Greek, male, female, are identity statements. We are born with a particular nationality. We're born with a particular uh, gender. That's very much part of our identity. But what he's saying here, these are no longer the major components of your new identity in Christ. You're all one in Christ Jesus. If Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed, that's another identity statement. And heirs according to the promise. Based on the promises of God, there's this identity Some more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We, have a new, we are a new person in Christ. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness that is imputed, not righteousness based upon our performance. Righteousness based by faith, imputed to us. And then in 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people. God's telling, uh, Peter is writing uh, to the believers here that God has chosen them. We're chosen for a particular person. We're special. We're not just any piece of random matter floating out like in space. Um, if we go back to our, our solar system, thing, he's, he's put earth on a particular orbit. And this is, where, this is where you're going. This is who you are. And so he's done the same thing uh, for us. Very much related to our identity and security in Christ is the confidence of our calling, of what we have been called to. Our identity in Christ flows, what flows from that then is a particular calling and the confidence that we have in Christ in regards to that calling, that we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called in Ephesians 4, verse 1. Um, Then he talks about the various gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then jumping down to verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Right? There's pure influences that can toss us to and fro and move us around. Um, but if we're confident in who we are and what our calling is, is in Christ, those influences will be relatively minor. And uh, finally... Uh, In regards to identity and confidence of our calling in Christ, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. This is after the resurrection, and Jesus is giving instructions to Peter, asking him, "Do you love me? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep." And then he says, and then he he does he tells him a, a bit of a foreshadowing of what kind of death Peter is gonna face near the end of his life. And Jesus said unto him. Follow me. Peter looks around. Peter says "Says to the Lord, What shall this man do? He's looking at John. So j- just picture what's happening here. Peter and Jesus were having a conversation. And then after Jesus says to Peter, Follow me, he looks around and he says, John, he says, Lord, what's going to happen to him? And in a sense, Jesus is saying, Don't worry about what's going to happen to him. I've called you to this. You follow me. We're confident in our calling. This influence of, well, what's he going to be doing and what's she going to be doing and how come they're doing that? How does that fit with me? Jesus is telling Peter here, I've given you a calling, follow me. Again, summarizing what we're, this, this main point here. Peer pressure and influences are only as strong as our identity in Christ is weak. To emphasize that more, we're going to state the reverse. If our identity in Christ is weak, peer pressure and influences are strong. So we just sort of think about that in reverse to help emphasize that idea. An illustration that's going to help here, I hope, that dotted line is a very weak identity in Christ. This person is very insecure in their relationship with Christ. Maybe sometimes they even struggle with whether or not they are truly converted, whether they are forgiven, or will God continue to forgive them, um, and so forth. Their relationship is shaky. They are much more susceptible to these various pulls and pushes uh, in various directions and ideas that are floating out there. This person may happen to be in a church culture where there's a very strong movement in a particular direction. This is how you should live. This is how you should behave. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And because they have a very weak identity in Christ, they will be naturally pulled along in this particular direction. And it it gives the appearance and behavior of a good Christian life. They may be living very much a good Christian life. But if we look at this is a very shaky scenario, this is not healthy in the long term. It may help someone in weak moments and so forth. I'm not saying that this kind of a culture is a bad thing. Um, But if that's our main thing that's keeping us going in our Christian life, if that's what's defining who we are and how we should live, rather than our strong identity in Christ, that's not healthy. Because if this force changes, we can very easily be pulled in a different direction. If these people disappear from our life, where do we stand? Or if a dramatic change in world events such as persecution totally changes that picture of our life. Where do we stand? It's a very weak, it's a very weak scenario. What we need to be doing, before we get to that, let's flip the, flip the scenario around. You know, right now we're thinking, you know, this is us. But suppose we're one of these people. Maybe we think that we're helping someone by applying a lot of pressure for trying to either extract from them or encourage them into a good pattern of behavior. We think that's a good thing, and we're helping them along in their Christian walk because we see that they are weak. But in a sense, we're probably focusing not on the primary thing. We need to be focusing and helping them point up to Jesus and understand why are they shaky in their identity in Christ? Why is their security in Christ shaky? And help build that up, which will then produce an outcome that they will be living in a way that God wants them to live. The key is, what is our focus?
1: Um, We're going to talk a little bit now about the channels of transmission, as we have called them, the sort of the way that these pressures and influences can be carried into our lives, Um, the way they are transmitted, the way they are communicated to us. We want to focus a little bit on this idea of approval and control because as we were studying this, the Lord really showed us that this is often a really key area and what draws people to being pressured Uh, it it can manifest itself in different ways the approval can manifest in things like I just want to fit in Um, everybody around me at church dresses this way so I better do the same thing because I don't want to be odd or different I don't want to stand out or everybody else is doing this with their kids I better do the same thing too because um, I don't want to stand out. Or, uh, I better just do that because then I'll please everybody around me. I'll better just say yes to this and just do it because I don't want to rock the boat. Um, these are areas of seeking approval, and there's a whole forum that we could go into in approval and control of what, how that manifests itself. But we just want to touch on it a little bit to make ourselves aware of it. Uh, the control is more so in the area of imposing guilt people impose guilt on us or sometimes we might be the controller that imposes guilt on others what do you mean you don't do that you're a christian and maybe it's something really neutral and and not important but to them it is and then they impose guilt on us or we might do that to other people um also a sense of duty well i promised something like that on my testimony night and these people around me are holding it to it and maybe that's not what we promised at all but somebody has twisted something or you know we can have a sense of duty towards family towards the church order whatever it might be which is not a bad thing but we need to be careful that when we um, choose paths in our life that they are God's calling and God's conviction to us and that we understand the purpose of them and the reason for them. when we uh, have this need for approval um when we are being controlled there's often a false um guilty conscience a sense of guilt um this usually stems from a weak sense of identity in Christ we feel guilty or wrong about ourselves um we're always trying to get people to think i'm okay we want to fit in that that goes back to the fitting in um And also just trying to fit into a certain image, even. Not just in little specific areas, but a whole image. And this is often related to a certain role or position, such as in our church, in our career, in our profession. Um, Somebody may have a profession that the Lord has called them to, and they are supposed to be there. But there can be pitfalls in those professions where their peers, their colleagues, live a certain lifestyle, um, have certain kinds of homes, drive certain kinds of cars, take certain kinds of vacations. And there can easily be a pressure then to fit into that. Um, I want to give you one that some people might find kind of humorous, an example that I've experienced, and I shared it with another minister's wife, and she experienced the same thing. Um, By some, there is an expectation that ministers should always wear a crisp white shirt, no other colors, white shirt under their suit with a good nice tie. That's not too bright, doesn't draw attention. There's got to be this certain image. And I got that from the first few years from my mother, um, about my husband. <laughs> and another sister shared the same thing, that she was getting it from um, a mother-in-law. And um, you know what? It's just we feel that pressure and sometimes we bow to it just because ugh, just don't want to deal with it. Um, it's a small example, but it can. We just got to watch for that in our own lives and in our church circles and in our work circles and so forth. Um, we need to build our identity with Christ and remember that there's no condemnation, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Romans eight one. And we also have Romans eight. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. We do not need to bow to the whims of men, of our peers, of people around us. We need to consider the things that they might be saying to us or leading us to, not take it lightly, but not feel guilty if... The Lord leads us on a different path, or if we need to make a different choice, we need to be confident in christ it 's not about me it 's all about God, so i shouldn 't be worried about the approval so much. I should be worried about pleasing God and not the approval of men. and there are times when we won 't feel like we 're not condemned. we will feel condemned. Many of us do i 've uh, heard that from a lot of people um, We need to believe that word. We need to pray that word. We need to claim that word even when we don't feel like it. Channels of transmission. Going on now a little bit. Just touching a little bit. Media. This is to me a big one for families, but it can be a big one for singles. It can be a big one for anybody really. Um, There's so many people around us that indulge themselves in entertainment. There's uh, advertising that convinces us that everybody else in our class of life or in our circle of life is doing this or doing that. Um, for myself, I our, for our situation, I know, you know we might look at the families around us, whether it be at church, the families around us in the neighborhood. Oh, my. They bought their kids an Xbox already. They bought their kids a PlayStation... Every kid in their family has a Nintendo DS. Now they're getting their kids this new thing over here, and my kids are looking at their friends saying, but mom, they've got all these things. And then we start thinking, oh, I don't, my kids aren't going to fit into society if I don't give them these things. How can I deny them these things? That, that's a strong pressure and pull for us, seeing what others allow. And we're seeing that a lot in the church. I've gotten that a lot from my kids. But so-and-so has it, and and so-and-so has it, and so-and-so and so. so. Did you see even that family has it? Oh, my. Well, if if even that family gave it to them, then there can't be anything wrong with it. Maybe we better go get them one, (laughs) you know. Um, No, we need to consider what is God calling us to um, and how ought we to live. Uh, This is just a little aside before I go on to the next one. In the entertainment area, um, how strongly we might think we're not very influenced by everybody around us and the advertising and everything else. There's a few games that we were playing recently, um, you know, board games with other people, and one of them was Cranium. I know in the past, Trivial Pursuit is another one. To play those games, it would appear that you require a great knowledge of media, popular media. Our family doesn't usually do very well at those games, but we've come across people in our churches that do really well at those games. They know all the songs. They know all the movies. They know all the actors. If I would pull out a Bible quiz game, I'm not sure they'd be as excited about playing it. And I just want to bring that up as a commentary. Let's think about that a little bit. Where's our primary focus? Our identity with Christ and his word and what he's teaching us and what he's calling us to? Or are we caught up in what everybody around us is doing? And we got to fit in because we need to talk to people around us. It doesn't hurt to know what's going on in the world around us to some degree. But not to the, to me, it's a testimony to people around me when they say, did you hear about this and this action, what they did? And I say, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm sorry, that's just not important to me. What's important to us? Traditions and customs. These can be positive pressures from people around us at times. Can be negative, but we don't want to dwell on that too much either. Um, we want to share a, an example of, of what we think could be considered a positive peer pressure. When we travel within our fellowships, generally we stay at other people's homes. And most of us consider that a real blessing and a pleasure. There are some that tend to say, oh, I'd rather stay in a hotel. And they do that, and they show up at church the next morning. What kind of pressure do they get? You stayed at a hotel? I would have loved to have you at my house. Why didn't you come and fellowship with us? You should have called. We, we consider that something that could be considered positive peer pressure that it kind of puts a little pressure on those people to say next time, well, okay, maybe next time I should call you and state your home. Um, so that's just a little example to give you an idea of what we're talking about there. Um, education philosophy's agenda. We need to be cautious because, you know, we, we get on to uh, the end of high school and we're looking at what to do next. And some are called to university to pursue careers. Some are not. We need to weigh that carefully. Um... Because there's a lot of statistics showing, unfortunately, that those that go into university these days claiming a faith must have had a very weak identity with Christ because they're coming out not only with a weaker faith but in many cases as atheists or agnostics. That's a very scary thing to me. There are agendas, there are philosophies being taught in these um, schools of higher learning, and we may be. Those that choose to go there, if we have kids that choose to go there, we need to bathe them in prayer and just really encourage them to have a strong, strong identity in Christ so that that pressure will not sway them because there is a lot of it. Now, do we just want
2: to?
0: So now we're going to move into the areas of impact, of how it touches um, our life. But uh, it's back to you, honey.
1: Sorry. Okay, it's me again. (laughs) All right. Areas of impact, yes. Education, career. What we've got here is we'll talk a little bit about um, some examples. Uh, One of them being um, as parents at the elementary level, the other three being more so once we're at a point where we have to decide what we're doing for those that might be at that point. Um, The general... Pull is um, definitely towards public education, and I'm not here to make a. I'm not here to make an advertisement for anything. Okay, I'm just going to put that out right now. Most of you know what our choice was. That's not what my my point is. My point is that there are choices. There's choices of public. There's choices of uh, private Christian. There's choices of homeschooling. We need to be convinced that God is calling us to something when we do it, and the one thing we want to do is I want to just read um, a short testimonial that we got. We tried to get input from some people about choices that had to be made in their lives and what they struggled with and the pressures they felt. And this is something that I want us to be on both sides of it. Those that might be thinking, what should I be doing need to consider this. Those that are on the other side of it that don't need to make that choice need to be careful not to judge other people and put pressure on. That can lead them away from what God is calling them to Um, This is someone that was called to homeschool many years ago. Uh, She had a very strong conviction. But yet, when their children came along, everyone else in the congregation was putting their kids in school, so they just did the same, not to rock the boat. Um, The other statement she made was, fear of what the people in church would say stopped them from doing it for a number of years. Fear of what they would think about me. It was finally um, a message from the Lord through a a hymn on a Sunday morning in church that made her see that she can't be afraid of what other people think about her, even if it is her church family. Um, And then she finally gave in, and the Lord blessed them for that uh, in their particular lives. Um, Earning potential, status, security, making parents proud. These are things that when we're looking for careers, the world around us, oh, I'm not supposed to use that term, the world around us. The people around us, which are usually influenced by other things around them in the world, often are looking for, you, you want your kids to make money, don't you? They've got to take care of themselves, especially if they're a man. Oh, my goodness, they've got to get a really good paying job. Um, what are we looking for um, when we're choosing these kinds of things? Um, Or are we going to encourage people to really seek the Lord's will because maybe he wants them to be a missionary, which isn't going to pay very well on this earth. Maybe he wants them to go into counseling um, or something else. And again, let's be careful what we say to people to discourage or encourage them. We've got a couple of young people that gave us some thoughts from their own choices. Uh, One sister was saying, I was perfectly content to stop after getting a master's degree. I'm thinking, wow. Wow. I only got an undergraduate. She got a master's, and she was still getting pressure to go on because they thought that, you know, you should do it as a backup in case you can't find a job, or you should do it so you can teach because you love to teach. You should do it because I think it would be the best opportunity for you. And these sounded like good and logical reasons, and they meant well, these people that were sharing these advice, uh, p- pieces of advice, but she chose not to follow the pressure because she did not have the conviction Her identity with Christ was strong so that she was able to sort through it all and go on. We have somebody else that's in the middle of it all right now, has done some schooling, is expecting some more schooling ahead of him, but is confused as to where he's supposed to go from here. And right now, he's saying that he's been so confused because of the pressures and pulls from family and church members towards him that he's not sure he can trust himself to make the decision because I may unconsciously do it, In retaliation to one of the pressure forces or I may do it as submission to a sense of guilt a sense of duty these are some of the things we talked about so we need to be careful how we put pressure on other people
0: okay moving on to another area of impact uh, in uh, other aspects of our adult life Uh, many of us have careers and so then there's always the the pressure to grow that career or if we're in business, uh, to grow that uh, business. I have a uh, testimonial from a brother um, who I believe is very exemplary in dealing with the various pressures of his business. Uh, It's been many years since I started my own business, he says. From the very beginning, I had the conviction that as a Christian, my business would be a Christian business, not only in the values and principles with which I conducted business, but also in the clear testimony of who I was. Contrary to the norms in the business world, I felt that I needed to be different. By taking a stand when asked to compromise, by openly displaying Christian plaques and reading material in the waiting room, by giving out Christian calendars, etc. I've also had the conviction that as God blessed the business with constant growth, he deserved his share of the resources, and as he provided reliable staff that I would honor him by taking time to do mission work in foreign places, in the community, and in the church. Business success was not just to live better, but more importantly, an opportunity to help others. There were pressures. Keeping a proper balance between business, family, and ministries has been a constant challenge. Uh, The opportunity in the business culture to take the business to greater heights has always been there. However, pursuing that would undoubtedly have taken time away from family and ministry. And so here's an example I see of of a brother uh, that was not consumed by the business but being able to use it in a way and and the the freedoms that have come from that uh, in a way that really has blessed um, the church and uh, others in the community in a way that gives glory to God. And and the way I see that that happening is he was confident of his calling in Christ, a strong identity in Christ. Those pressures were there, but they were very relatively weak. And that as I was even getting this testimonial from him, I tried to sort of zoom in a little bit more on, well, what were those pressures like? And he says he didn't really feel those pressures very much. They were were very minor in his life. Uh, In regards to uh, the last point here about vacations and short-term mission work, you know, I talked to a brother some time ago a single brother that uh, uses a lot of his vacation time to do short-term mission work. You know, that's probably... He didn't pick that up from his peers. Back to you.
1: Okay. Um, If we spend any amount of time at all around um, neighborhood people, uh, co-workers, this first verse... Lo, children are inherited of the Lord. Fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of his youth. Um, That's not usually the pressure we get to fill your quiver full of children. It's not usually the pressure. As a matter of fact, that's not usually the pressure even in our church circles. On the other hand, in some church circles there is great pressure to fill that quiver so that even if you are unable to have children, you may feel very guilty. You may feel very uncomfortable. Um, it's, the point here is that we need to have God's attitude toward children and toward the children he gives us, not the attitude that we see from neighbors of, oh, it's too costly. They're going to limit my career, my self-fulfillment. Um, are we starting to think like that sometimes? Um, I hear a lot of complaining sometimes about people's children, and uh, it's a very sad thing. It's all about me. That's what that usually comes down to. And for women, that moves. That movement started with the feminist movement a long time ago. Well, it seems like a long time ago. Relatively short in the period of history behind us, but um, it's been creeping into the church more so, so that it started with people out there. It has gone through the... Uh, contemporary Christian culture has filtered into our church circles, and now, even within our church circles, we can feel a pressure to live a certain way as a mom, as a woman, to have certain aspirations, which in and of themselves may or may not be wrong, but they need to be the calling of God. Um, Methods of parenting, we can be swayed a lot because everybody around us is listening to this particular parenting And we ought to listen to that parenting series as well, and we ought to do that. Maybe we should listen to it, but maybe we'll listen to another one as well and glean a few things as long as it's based on the word. Um, Stay-at-home moms. That's one that uh, we got a couple of testimonials. I'm just going to share one of them. Again, uh, you might notice in this testimonial that it doesn't seem like there were a lot of negative pressures, but this is as well somebody that we feel is has a very strong identity in Christ, and so she didn't feel any pressure because her mind was made up. Her conviction was strong. I was thankful that I could be a stay-at-home mom and also chose to stay at home when my children were older as well. I have al- always believed that it was my responsibility to nurture our children, to help them and spiritually train them, to show them the different ways they could serve God, to be active in the Lord's vineyard, vineyard and that As a wife, I should be helping my husband in his ministries. And that our children should be participating in our family's ministries. That we should have a mission as a family. And we need time and training to accomplish this. If I were working outside the home, it would be difficult for me to accomplish this. Um, I can't say we had a lot of negative pressure from anyone. But an occasional comment that people thought it wasn't really necessary to do all the different things that we did. We, however, felt it was necessary. And it was what the Lord required. Um, at times, it is really hard to work ag- against the norms, but having godly convictions keeps us focused and able to do His work with His help.
0: Just a few comments about this. We're gonna uh, got to keep moving on. We're not gonna be as it can't be as detailed about every aspect of how it impacts our life. Um, but uh, one particular one, you know, if you think about how have we been influenced from our peers about our attitudes in how we use our finances, in particular our attitudes of debt and how accepting uh, we are about long-term debt um, in getting into it in the first place and how long it takes uh, to arrange our finances to pay that off. Um, those influences are strong in the culture. Um, another aspect what this looks like, You know, what is our vision of retirement? It's it's very interesting. You know, we're all taught and in the the, the financial services industry very much pushes, of course, uh, storing up and saving and investing so that at some particular time you can take it easy. And there's all sorts of their promotional material is them, uh, you know, a, a couple or a person sitting on a beach in leisure or on a cruise ship or of some sort of nature like that. Um, is that really what God is... Co- I'm not saying that those, taking those types of vacations is a wrong thing, but is, is that our whole goal and purpose in retirement? Doesn't that sound a lot like this? what Jesus said uh, about this uh, wealthy man that said to himself, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Um, is that our retirement plan? You know, that, that, that comes from the culture around us. That doesn't come from the word of God. Um, or We view retirement as an opportunity to be more focused on areas of the Lord's work, where we don't need to be spending a lot of time earning our income because that's already done. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about grandparents?
1: Yeah, just a few words here. This is kind of interesting. I was talking at the table at um, lunch a few days ago with a particular sister, and she threw a loop at me because we were talking about peer pressure, and she's, a, in my eyes, a relatively young grandparent, Um, and she said, yep, it's a new ball game now that I'm a grandparent. There's peer pressure there too, and I looked at her, okay, (laughs) tell me more. What are you talking about? Because we had somebody else share that they really thought that as they got older, there was less peer pressure, and we're thankful for that and praise God for that, if that's true in their lives. She said, yep, the other grandma buys all kinds of things, and I can't afford to do that. I thought, oh, my goodness. It just goes on right through life, doesn't it? (laughs) And it can be in different things, you know. Maybe this grandma and grandpa have particular resources, you know. I mean, in our own family, I, I hope that the grandparents don't feel that pull, but I don't doubt if they do. You know, my parents are city dwellers, and they have a tendency towards a certain lifestyle and like to do certain things, and the kids love to be over there doing those things with that Omanopa, but the other Omanopa have a farm, they have land around them. They can run. They can play. They can see animals. They can do all kinds of things. Well, you know what? It's two totally different things. And again, let's not be sucked into that of, I can't do what they're doing. I'm not as good. I need to find a way to get approval. No, just be yourself and do what God has called you to do. Love the people around you the way he's called you to love them. And um, you don't have to worry about that approval.
0: <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Pressures in regards to our calling in life at this time. At various times in our life, in our adult life, the Lord may call us to a particular uh, particular type of ministry, particular type of work, um, exercising your spiritual gift. You know, there's pressures in regards to that. What happens if the spiritual gift God has given you doesn't fit into your local church culture? How do you deal with that? There will be pressure in, in regards to that. And I don't have any easy answers for that, of course. And, and But, you know, just recognize it. Those situations are real. They do exist. Um, I have a particular testimonial uh, that uh, somewhat speaks to that, but also just in regards to calling in life. I was always concerned that I would not offend the brethren and often did not respond to the Holy Spirit immediately. Perhaps I could call that peer pressure, says this brother. I didn't see it as a difficulty because the Lord urged me to counsel with some of the older members and church leaders about each unique calling. And these mature brethren became my sounding board and actually felt a part of the service to which I was called by the Lord. And I felt free to follow the will of the Lord and rejoiced in my calling. However, many members could not understand why I felt led to do the work of an evangelist and express that fact to me personally. I simply asked them to accept my conviction and pray for me, which I'm certain many did. Now, this person also received lots of good support from their uh, wife and family. After several years of traveling, it became difficult to continue the ministry and still keep my job. Often it was difficult to get back to work on time because of weather and other delays. We began to pray to the Lord to find a solution. Much to our surprise, the door opened for us to move to another city, which had a small AC church where I had a job offer that provided the flexibility needed to continue in this evangelistic work. We were convicted to go. Much opposition then became evident, some coming from family, including my own brother and church members and church leaders. I did receive my brother's blessing the day before I left uh, to move. We, ac- we met on the street corner downtown, and he stated, "...it seemed illogical that the Lord would take my ministry from a large congregation and give it to a few." The Lord gave me the reply, "...not any more illogical than Philip the Evangelist." being translated from the teeming city of Samaria into the desert to share the gospel with one black man. He paused and said, You really feel you need to go, don't you? And then he replied, Go with my blessing. And they embraced and parted. But that wasn't the end of the pressures. There were financial times that were difficult the following year, and I once again questioned, or once questioned whether it was the right thing for my family. And we considered returning back to our previous home church. My father offered to pay the moving expenses. Pressure. He's thinking he's helping, right? It was my faithful helpmate who said that unless I can give her a spiritual reason to abandon the work, not a monetary one, she would not go. And the rest is history. They're still living in that same city. So we can think about, you know, the, the various pressures and influences that took place in the calling in life. Uh, we won't go into details on in some of the other ones because I do want to leave some time for, for uh, some interaction, some dialogue. Um, there's areas of impact, of course, in in our church life, which we're feeling from our peers um, beyond us um, or within uh, other aspects of our fellowships. Um, look at a little bit of a, a case in point um, in, in a negative sense and then uh, another one in a, a positive way. Uh, According to my observation, I think I'm accurate here, that there's generally a more permissive attitude about media containing in our homes. Media that contains profanity, the Lord's name in vain, violence, even immorality or illicit relationships. Um, I, I believe that's more prevalent today than it was a generation ago, um, or even a few decades ago. How, how did this happen? You know, I don't imagine that that happened from us... Um, getting together collectively and looking in the Word of God and praying together and saying, you know, I think we're a little bit too strict on these things and and we need to sort of open that up a little bit and be more permissive. I don't imagine that happened, right? It happened from various pressures, starting from the secular culture, influencing their peers in the contemporary Christian culture, influencing their business associates and friends, and we're feeling um, pressure from these kinds of things and influences um, all the time, just through innocent, you know, sharing of media. Here, here's something I want you to watch, um, and so forth. And eventually it ends up in our home, and maybe that wouldn't have been our our first choice if we really thought about it. These things do influence us. In a positive sense, um, there are situations in our life and in our church fellowship where we are actively looking for input from our peers in different areas. You know, a a recent example that's been developing in the last few years is, is just the whole formation of the counseling committee, Uh, from the Elder Committee, just actively looking for various sources out there um, that we feel are also, or that they feel are also, uh, well-discerned and spirit-filled on dealing with difficult situations, you know, mental and emotional health issues um, and uh, things of that nature. You know, we're not only recognizing that we can figure these things out ourselves. There are peers out there that um, the Lord has also provided uh, some input that that we can uh, recognize. You know, other areas where that's been effective is in how to confront alternate worldviews in the area of apologetics, the area of marriage counseling, financial counseling, and so forth. It does require active discernment, but peer pressure or peer influences are not only a negative thing. So to wrap up, the the main point, of course, peer pressure and influences are only as strong as our identity in Christ is weak. That's the thing, the main point we want you to remember, right? Strong identity in Christ, the relative pressures around us will be weak. Develop that strong identity in Christ, confidence in our calling, and just general awareness of the pressures. Uh, We've got now seven minutes or so um, for dialogue. Anybody have a a question or, or a comment? Yes, go ahead, Leanne.
1: Um, coming from a small church, I, I hear a lot of um, input from some of the larger churches uh, that there there is a lot of pressure for families to stay within the larger churches so that they can have their kids all together in a safe haven. And um, coming from a small church, that it's really discouraging hearing sometimes, and I don't know... You can speak to that at all because I, I understand the whole positive influence from your peers and, and how that's that is helpful and good that
0: they can have a youth group that they can grow up in. But at the same time, what about the rest of us? No, that's you've raised a very very valid point. You know, it's it's a comfort thing, um, and uh, I, I don't have anything specific to say about that. If someone else has a, a comment to offer or to speak to that, you know, feel free to do so. But uh, that's a very valid point. Thank you for raising that.
1: Um, I think that's a really valid point. And I found it very interesting. I want to be um, totally open and share from our a little bit more about our experience in going down to Coconut Creek just for a very short time. We went down there for six weeks. And I, you know, the the, the testimonial he shared about the brother moving was from... Many, many, many years ago. Attitudes have not changed very much. Um, We are one of the largest congregations now um, in our churches in Kitchener. And you'd think that one family going away for a few weeks shouldn't be a big deal. And we got a lot of comments. I had a lot of people coming to me saying things like, you better come back. We need you here. Why are you going so long? What about your kids? Do they have any kids down there? Well, what are they going to do? They're going to really miss their friends, you know. I hope you don't hurt them by taking them away from their friends for so long. I was appalled. Honestly, I was appalled. And one particular sister said a few times to me, We need you here. And I said, Sister, we still have five ministers sitting up in that bench. They have one sitting down there right now. And she said, But we need you here. You better not move down there. And I said, We're not saying we're moving. But if the Lord calls us to, what is that to you? I said, and she said, well, I guess I'm being a little selfish. I said, yes, you are. (laughs) You know, so it it is a real issue that we need to be careful how we pressure each other and whether we're thinking about ourselves or the Lord's work being furthered and his kingdom being furthered.
0: I suppose the, the, the other comment I can respond to that really is the best place for our family to be, including our children, is where God wants us to be. Um, and if that means moving from something that appears to be much more comfortable and secure and has that great tide that can keep them in check um, if God wants us somewhere else that might not be the best influence for us yes I think
2: there's two (coughs) can be two different points about the church and the faith and it can be as a family again you know to advise someone or to say someone something you know I would say uh, to advise someone something is good as long as we don't pressure, has to be that way. It's good to hear many things from different people and then you can choose yourself when you're gonna do it. As long as people don't push you, you have to do it But sometimes in the family, it happened, I know, from experience in my own family. When my brother was 17 years old, he wants to get married before military and my parents told him, don't do it. It won't be good because the most of the uh, then, uh, uh, women don't, don't stay faithful when they are gone for three years to military. And uh, my dad said, when you finish the military, you come back. But we ran, Not because he was not a member. Me my dad, they treat us all the same. Members and non-members are the same. But he advised them not to do <coughs> it. And the answer was, if you don't let me now to get married, you're gonna ruin all life for for me. My dad says, well, if you think that way, go ahead. So he got married. He came back. He found out she was not faithful to him. He had a hard time living with her. He has to leave her and the child. But he never acknowledged you to say that you were right. He never wanted to say that. And many times we do the same thing. Somebody tells something. Was a good idea, and we still have a problem with it, and we don't want to acknowledge to say, Well, dad, you were right, or parents, or brother, or sister, something like this. It could be two <laughs> different ways. In the family, peer pressure, or now I don't know what you call it. I don't think so that my dad had a peer pressure on my daughter. I don't think so. He gave him just a good advice. But still, he allowed him, Okay, you want that, go ahead and do it. And it was wrong. Okay, thank you. Or can be good way. You advise them, and they Maybe, fingers, but okay, we'll do it. And it was good.
0: Sure. Yeah, there, there is certainly a continuum there that begins maybe in its mildest form, advice, which is a good thing. Um, uh, and th- there might be a difference between how it's perceived to be given and how it is received on, on the receiving end. A person may feel, I'm just giving advice, and the other person may feel that not as advice, but they're really feeling it as pressure. Um, and it, it's the, kind of the same scenario part of it part of the perception whether I feel something as a device or as pressure Has to do with my security and standing in Christ if I'm weak in Christ Then someone may be giving me advice and I feel that a lot stronger as pressure and uncertainty um, uh, perhaps any other thoughts Yes This is probably
1: an obvious point, but as Christians and other Christians. We need to be very careful of our opinions um, or is it our opinion because we want these people like in your situation to stay or is it God's will? And unless we are actively praying and seeking out that will for that couple, we
2: really
1: need to kind of be quiet and support them and we don't know if that that is valuable for them unless we are actively, actively praying about that. And um, it's just an obvious point I know I've found within our congregation for different things. And um, it's it's really neat to see how God leads people to do things. And it may may be very hurtful, (coughs) you know, because we're selfish people. We want certain people to stay because, you know, they're a good piano player, they're a good minister. Come on, how could God remove them
2: from us? But that
0: work, we need to really Thank you. Yeah, that reminds me of a, another testimonial that we weren't able to get into. Uh, sort of relates to that, where there was this pressure and influences and when the, 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 the brother that had the conviction focused the question and phrased it that way, do you believe it's God's will, such and such, that changed the, the dynamic of the conversation. Well, depending what clock we're looking at, we either have two minutes left or we're right on time. So uh, if there's nothing else, I think we can just close it at this. Thank you.